This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. questions when we started this that John's peers in Silicon Valley asked, can you really motivate venture capital come to West Virginia? And the answer is hell yeah, we can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the voice that you just heard was Sarah Biller, the executive director of something called Vantage Ventures. And CJ, we could not agree more and align with more her passion and enthusiasm for investing in West Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. And as you guys will hear and learn about Vantage Ventures and what they're doing to not only help businesses in West Virginia grow and amplify their message and scale, but also what they're doing to bring organizations and companies from outside of West Virginia and bring them to the Mountain State and give them a chance to grow as well is just uh, it's it's an awesome story. And really, th- this is a still an up and coming organization vantage ventures this was something that was uh, started in 2019 they really tried to hit the ground running in 2020 covid hit so they kind of had to take a step back and sarah's got some good anecdotes about um kind of overcoming adversity early on and really how they had to jump some hurdles early on to to keep vantage ventures running and slowly become what it is now or quickly become what it is now in terms of helping businesses so yeah it's uh, a good story and like you said she's very passionate about what she does and those those are the kind of people that we need she she absolutely is uh she's a blast to talk to and guys you might you, this sounds a little bit familiar Who, what's going on here so the chambers college up at wu this is like an affiliate program and we're going to get to the interview here in a little bit you'll hear all about it but john chambers the former executive chairman of cisco systems he's a founding partner in this so they're teaming up if you've heard him talk about west virginia his passion these are the folks at the highest level that are institutionally growing west virginia businesses so sarah was great it was a fun interview we will get to that shortly uh but cj we've got some as always we've got a ton of other things going on um what's at the top of your mind though with a couple of projects i think you and mason uh all credits you guys put on uh last week on the podcast um but tell us a little bit more about that yeah so that's a good place to start we dropped last week episode one part one the Grave Diggers of Moundsville. It's going to be a two-part audio series, and yeah, yeah, appreciate the the love there. Mason is the author. Our executive producer, Mason Jack, is the author of the piece, and I kind of helped uh, put it together in a, a podcast format, and you know, put some music and some sound effects in there. But we're trying to we were trying to bring a story to life, and that's kind of what we did last week, so part one last week, part two coming up next week, but in case you guys missed part one, here's just a snippet of what you missed, and maybe it'll entice you to go back and listen. As Mike and Robert tussle on the ground throwing punches and knees, the two who'd known each other their entire lives were now in a power struggle, slave versus slave owner. And unless he did something drastic, Mike knew exactly how this was going to go. In a final effort to escape, he unsheathed the hidden knife and stabbed Robert in his side. Of course, this far out from the farm, there was little anyone could do to save the young Tomlinson. Robert quickly bled out and died in front of Mike. Okay, so there you go. A little clip of part one of the Gravediggers of Moundsville. That's a, been a, a fun project to work on. Again, part two is going to be dropping next week. And I think that internally we've discussed a little bit about maybe doing more of these. These are creative outlets or just a different way to tell a story. And it's uh, a, a lot of fun at the end of the day. And Cooper, you'd even say maybe we, uh, maybe we do some acting. Maybe we, maybe we write a script and do some acting. Are you going to be like uh, Abraham Lincoln in, in the next episode? Could you pull that off? Well, unfortunately, I won't, I won't be him. He was assassinated at the play that he was Well, in, so. yeah, but he has a role. He does have a role in the next 
Gravediggers of Moundsville episode. So okay. he's a name drop in there. But if you're not ready for the Abraham Lincoln role, maybe we can start you with like an, a, a smaller role first, and then we can build our way up. <laughs> yeah. Kick off my acting debut with assassin. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Um, oh, but yeah, I mean, but if you're listening to that, I, guys, I think it was awesome. I loved it. It was fun to do a little in and out. Um, it's, just, it's another form of West Virginia storytelling that we like to do here. If you have a story you're thinking like, oh my gosh, my great, great, great did this and that, send us an email. If you don't think, I'm sure if you think it's all just a family story, it might be wildly fascinating for other West Virginians to hear. Shoot us that inspiration. Maybe we can Absolutely. put it into a production like that. Mountain yeah. Media Podcast at gmail.com. But CJ, other West Virginia related stuff. We're, we're out and about, man. West Virginia is all over the world, but there's some national news coverage of West Virginia um, that recently, um, it actually connected to our previous guest, Morgan Fallon. Yeah, I mean, the timing of it is pretty remarkable because we are good friends with Crystal Good, who made a major appearance, and we just had Morgan Fallon, who was the cinematographer and the director of this episode of United Shades of America with Kamal Ball. He came to Appalachia, spent a lot of time covering in West Virginia as well. So that's a CNN special. If you missed it, CNN has clips of it online that you can go check out, and they're re-airing the episode every now and then. But uh, Crystal Good was kind of like his, uh, his, his guide. It was cool. Crystal, former guest of ours, was uh, one of his guides around... Appalachia. The the topic was black in Appalachia, black Appalachia. And so it was fascinating to hear all of these unique little stories up and down Appalachia and across several states there. But yeah, it was cool to see that Crystal Good and Morgan Fallon, two of our guests, were teaming up to do a CNN special. And of course, Morgan Fallon has ties to Anthony Bourdain, and he's a West Virginia native. He's been in West Virginia before doing stuff for CNN. So yeah, a lot of unique little storytelling angles that we're kind of connected to, not really, but it's cool to say that we have some ties to what just happened on the national stage with CNN and, you know, being close with Crystal and Morgan and obviously they were a part of that production. So it was cool to see that. And it seems like a lot of people have given a lot of love, well-deserved love mm-hmm. to uh, the mountain state from that. You know what I, you know what I like to say is uh, it makes me feel like one of my favorite shows was the Sopranos. Um, so when you say like a friend of ours, you, media, you <laughs> wait, know, wait, a friend of ours is doing yeah. something, um, but a friend of Crystal and another, just a quick, note on that is someone named jason tart who we should get on the podcast it's a story of a black west virginia farmer trying to uh help his community grow his community um they recently experienced some flooding there is a link if you go to our social media profiles we posted it maybe i'll put it up in maybe uh in our link tree but check that out support them i'll let you read it on blackbygod.org uh, it's a good story, but another example of a passionate West Virginian, you know, investing in their community, investing in the state, trying to make a difference. Um, yeah, absolutely. News. And go check that out. Blackbygod.org. That's Crystal Goods. Uh, brainchild that's coming to life. And it's very cool. So, yeah, if you haven't seen or checked that out yet, definitely go do that. Other news, guys, before we get to the interview with Sarah Biller. Uh, oh, wait. Almost... Yeah. Okay, wait. Let me tell the story, and then we'll wrap it with the Almost 7 Classic. But it was okay. uh, the this a friend of mine. Actually, a friend of yours. You Do you know Trish Weisberg? So Trish Weisberg. Uh, yeah. she's. Okay. You guys are like LinkedIn connections and, and whatnot. But Trish, uh, Charleston native, and I don't need to start school dropping and all of that. But uh, she works for like a tech and wire company, a wiring company, um, in Houston. And so it's kind of, it was, it's based out of West Virginia and it's expanded to Houston and Phoenix. And so anyway, she lives in Texas now, but she saw, she told me the other day that she saw a commercial for West Virginia in Houston. So like, if everybody knows what I'm talking about, there's this new, it's not new, but it's one of the West Virginia commercials that they're playing where they're humming country roots. Mm-hmm. It's like very sentimental. It really puts you in your feels. But she said she saw it in Houston. So Cooper and I were talking. We were talking before we hit record here. But it's like, yeah, that commercial's not for people in West Virginia. I mean, maybe a little bit. You'll see it, and it's like explore your backyard. But that commercial's for other people, like Texas, California, you know, Utah. Like that's where they're showing that commercial. It's like, come see West Virginia. So I thought that was pretty cool and definitely worth dropping that. West Virginia is out and about making sure their commercial airs nationwide. Yeah. I thought that was Love cool. It. 
even though we say sometimes we say horns down if you're a W football fan, but we're welcome. <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah. here to come here and spend money in West Virginia and tour the state, hey, come on, it's not yeah. on. Not yeah, the full yeah, time football. Exactly. Yeah, between <laughs> if if it's kickoff, horns down all the way, baby. But you know, come see the state and you know have some fun, no doubt. But anyway, yes, back to our massive event that we are putting on, planning in in the planning stages right now. Cooper, the Almost mm-hmm. Heaven Classic. This is quickly, I mean, dominating our lives, changing. I think, and we hope the trajectory of Mountaineer Media. But yeah, guys, you've heard us talk about it. The Almost Heaven Classic, which is presented by Star USA Federal Credit Union. This is going to be our flagship annual gathering of passionate West Virginians, right? So think of the context that this is going to be one of, we hope, many, many events every year. But this first one is going to be June 9th and 10th in 2023 at the Canaan Valley Resort in Tucker County. Now, if you're listening to this, you think, okay, what's, you know, what's going on there? What do I do? Is it a festival? Well, here it goes. So on it's a two-day event, on Friday the 9th, it's going to be professional networking, heavy hors d'oeuvres, West Virginia craft beer, small business representation, CJ and I are going to have a live podcast and we can't quite yet tease who our guests are going to be, but we think we're going to have some true headliners for influential guests. And this portion, the Friday night portion is going to be available to anybody. So you can get a ticket. We're going to have registration eventually on the website. You'll sign up, you'll get a ticket. There'll be a small fee to help us pull this event off, but that gets you access to all these folks, all these passionate West Virginians. That's Friday night. Okay. On Saturday, still at Canaan Valley Resort, on Saturday the 10th, June, in June 2023, we're going to host a golf tournament. This is going to be what I'm calling the most fun golf tournament that West Virginia has ever experienced. You're going to put together a team of four people. So you and three other friends are going to be on a team and you're going to be playing for cash prizes, free giveaways, a swag bag, maybe some Mountaineer Media merch, maybe some Rays Rub, Mr. B Chips will be tossed in there. A chance to win the West Virginia jacket. We're going to have the West Virginia jacket. It's going to be sick. It. Your team's going to win it. It's going to have a drone. It's going to be the funnest tournament. We're going to have a blast. We're going to have breakfast and lunch for you. So you can equally sign up for both of these events if you want to attend them. If you're a business, if you're in sales, or if you whatever, you're just a passionate West Virginian, come to both or come to one or the other. We'll have both tickets available. Go to mountaineermedia.org right now and put in your name and email. That puts you on the alert list, and you're going to be the first people to receive information, alerts, and then when registration opens, uh, sometimes time in the coming months you're going to be able to get your ticket so the almost seven classic presented by star usa federal credit union coming to you very soon cj what more can we say i mean we're ecstatic about this we think this is going to be an absolute amazing event yeah i think it's going to be a pivotal moment in our history with mountaineer media and hopefully it just uh, continues to grow from there to where we turn it into something that we're doing every single year and more and more people get involved and it just becomes a bigger celebration of West Virginia and West Virginia culture. That's what our, that's our MO. That's what we like to do. And let's uh, just keep on rolling. So with that, I think it's time. Drum roll, please. Let's get to this week's episode of Mountaineer Media Podcast with Sarah Bittler. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. We are joined by Sarah. Sarah, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Cooper. Nice to be here. Thank you for jumping on. CJ, good morning. How are you, CJ? Good morning, everybody. You forgot about the co-host this time, man. That's a... (laughs) Did Sarah take over as co-host or something? Oh, man. She's like, I'm losing losing my foothold here. She came. It's Monday morning. Uh, Sarah's ready to rock. She's she's an early riser. But Sarah, look, let's let's start with because I think our listeners, what they appreciate most about the podcast is that like any podcast is that we can in a long form format talk about issues, topics, you know, things that are complex in nature relating to West Virginia. And it's been a joy to let people kind of have the mic and let them explain what they're up to. I think I would be best maybe just to 
start right off the top with you're the executive director of something called Vantage Ventures, and it's through West Virginia University, where we're graduates of. I'm actually a fellow finance graduate from the Chambers College, like yourself. Um, but if you will, for our listeners, what exactly is Vantage Ventures and what exactly d- does it do? Yeah, Cooper, thank you. And uh, CJ, I'm so happy to be um, on this on this ride with you, by the way, and share a little bit about Vantage Ventures, because it has been a team effort um, across the entire state. Really, we're, as you said, Cooper, situated um, at the university in the John Chambers College of Business and Economics. And we're operationalizing a vision that actually John Chambers himself put forward about five years. And that was that he saw within West Virginia the same attributes, the same quality of talent and drive and capability that he saw in more mature entrepreneurial ecosystems, like his work in Silicon Valley, like what he saw in Israel and in India, that transformation of that economy into a tech economy, as well as France. And so what has brought forward what exactly Vantage Ventures is, as that we're an enabling organization that works to support the needs of entrepreneurs or individuals that are in West Virginia and or are somehow affiliated with West Virginia and want to come back and build high growth, scalable and investable companies. By and large for us, that means that they're capital efficient they're, by, they're generally technology companies. We support them in three ways. We provide a physical location where the founders can come together. We have just north of 30 companies right now at Vantage. Wow. We'll talk about them later. Yeah, and you and in that, you, need, you actually need, as a founder, I've been a founder three times, you need a place to come to hang out, to actually vet your idea, but also cross-pollinate. So that physical location has been a critically important aspect. Um, I hope you all will visit. The second thing we do is we provide programmatic activities. We'll we'll invite functional expertise. So for instance, if we have two entrepreneurs that are going through fundraisers right now, they're getting term sheets. What what do those term sheets say? How can can we engage an attorney to help them read those contracts? Um, We'll also provide them Access, access to expertise and perhaps business mentorship, like how do you price your product if it's never been brought to market before? And then the last thing we do is, is a, a very active community engagement strategy. We surround our entrepreneurs with business mentorship, expertise, venture, um, where we can open door, doors for customers, which is not hard when you're a West Virginian, mm-hmm. by the way. And that's what other mature ecosystems actually have ready access to. And so we want to be that organization that supports these founders as they grow their companies in any way possible. But those are the three primary ways we do it. What is it when you guys are looking to add additional companies? You know, you just said North 30. What is it that you guys are looking for? Like, what are the attributes of a young up and coming company that really just stand out? Yeah, that's CJ, that's a great question. So one of the attributes that we look for is that the when the when the founder comes to us, when the entrepreneur approaches us, that they are past ideation stage. It's just not that they're noodling on something they think they want to do. Yeah. They actually have a product or a service generally yeah. embedded again in that technology layer that we can show to customers. We can take them to market. We can actually pitch them to investors. And so we're really looking for someone who is, who's moved past um, uh, it, just even like a pitch deck. They're already in, ready to go into the marketplace. They're past that get your ish together stage, right? Is that pretty much? <laughs> I think that's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and conversely, where we're, where we're at our best too, it's get past, get your itch. Yeah. Also where we actually have an opportunity with the company. It's, it's, it's more than just a regional idea. It actually would have an addressable market that is, that's national or even global. Absolutely. Sarah, I let's see if something if you agree with something because I I work in finance as well. I'm I'm the director of communications for a firm, an asset management firm. We're based out of DC. Do retirement planning, wealth management. And when I first got into the industry, I 
incorrectly assumed that it was all about percentages, returns, analytics, Excel sheets, right? The, the market, we're managing folks' money, right? I quickly realized that, okay, yes, to a degree, I need to have that strong technical acumen, but I'm in the people business. I'm in the relationship business. I'm in the conversation business. I'm in the, like, let me solve the problem. Let me empathize with what you have going on and figure out a solution. So I say that through the lens of that I think it's no mystery that a lot of global leaders like Mr. Chambers himself, like a Brad Smith, uh, like various football and basketball coaches come from West Virginia um, over it. Um, not even um, I'm blanking on his name, but the leader of Northrop Grumman, um, the 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 chairman is West Virginia. We had him on the podcast. Like, it's not a surprise that I think West Virginians find themselves in those positions because at our core, we're, we're people, people, right? We, we empathize with one another. We figure out how to solve complex problems living in these mountains. How has, has that, is that something you agree with? And then is that something that, how do you, was that something that you have to like, when you're talking to these outside investors, possibly or folks, I know you, maybe you said you were just on a, on a road tour it's hard to quantify that the spirit, the culture, the grit, that sort of thing about West Virginia, when you're talking to somebody, maybe that's not from here. How do you all, I guess, navigate that conversation? And does that factor into part of the story? Why West Virginia can be a found, you know, startup founder state? Yeah, Cooper, I'm going to answer your question in two ways. One is your professional observation about the criticality, if you will, of the user experience of being able to solve problems. And we know in financial services, which has had a great run in the fintech space, right? Let's mm-hmm. just use that as an example. One of the critical aspects that was tackled early on in the entrepreneurial community was the ability to do mobile banking to have a seamless experience in which you could bank, you could invest, you could you know, be part of the financial services sector anywhere you were at any time and basically for anyone, right? That would, that's a basic operating tenet of all innovations is that it does something, right? Something to make your life easier, whether you're in industry, it's a retail facing category. So first off, your premise is spot on. Innovation is, is user centric. It is designed to do something better. But more holistically, if you think about it, what does it mean to understand your customer and the problem set? West Virginians are enormously capable of of unpacking those problems because of exactly what you said, how we were raised, we're community people. We've had to be collaborative for a long time. It's a very pragmatic state, right? It makes you want to work with others to jointly solve problems and unpack what the problems are, whether it's, you know, your neighbor next door needs to raise a barn, which, or if you actually need to be in high tech and your neighbor next door needs to figure out how to actually have a digital identity because of the push towards digitization. All those things are happening in West Virginia. And so, yes, I think when you look at the track record of success of West Virginians who have left the state and found themselves in inherently complex sectors, you mentioned, you know, uh, defense industry Mm -hmm. or with John in the tech sector with uh, with Cisco, the networking, Brad Smith and Intuit really serving categorically as the market leader for how do you help small business owners organize their cash flow and their statements. That's because we get it. Yeah. And we, and I'll, I'll add, there's a second layer to that. We get it and we care. So West Virginians have a, a high degree of empathy with problems that confront others. And I think that's what set us apart. And I think it's been very surprising to the tech companies that are starting to move into West Virginia, the level of critical thinking and capability. It's an, it's an untapped talent pool. Um, for a lot of firms. So we're not just building advantage homegrown companies. We're also a place where companies like a data robot who are globally um, uh, located and have global customer bases find a home in West Virginia. I like this idea of the mentorship aspect and Vintage Ventures role in helping solve problems and get over hurdles for the companies that you guys are, you know, bringing in, but it, it hasn't gone without you guys going over hurdles. This idea was a 2019 inspired idea. Several months later, you guys get smacked in the face with COVID. I mean, right as this company, you guys were taking off a pandemic hits, who yeah. knows at the time how long it's going to go. So you guys certainly have had challenges that you've had to overcome yourselves, maybe even helping you along the way, I would assume. Yeah, CJ, I'm 
I, uh, I, I definitely am a firm believer. You should never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah, there you go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maximize. Yeah. Use it. Maximize the opportunity set. And one of the opportunities for us at Manage was the, was the, was exactly what you kind of just alluded to. We, we had to shut our doors and everybody went digital. So it was a proof of concept. Remember, we're a startup. There you go. Yeah. And it was the perfect catalyst for a proof of concept that you could build technology companies anywhere. And, um, you know, the secular trend that has has come out of COVID is was already in place. The remote worker, where could you be? Where could you be seated? So, you know, my life experience has taken me to Boston, where I was on the founding team of three companies. I don't think anyone could have imagined at any time that the crisis would be in an enabler of technology, not just in West Virginia, but off the coast, mm-hmm. right? And here we are. Um, we're seeing capital being pushed out. We're going to announce this week um, a new funding round, as I just kind of alluded to. Yeah, we're excited. That's one of the questions when we started this that John's peers in Silicon Valley asked: Can you really motivate venture capital come to West Virginia? The answer is hell yeah, we can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, yeah. It, and it was just, it was really spurred by, in many ways, by COVID or accelerated the movement of capital. But um, let's just take that gift and continue to build on it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on that the, and we've spoken this just because of the nature of the pandemic and how it affected nearly every industry that it almost created a renaissance of asking people asking themselves, they're grappling with morality, they're grappling with where do I want to live? And I, like you said, it kind of forced us to to go into a remote world, but also for West Virginia, that probably could be, like you said, a silver lining that, hey, wait a second, like we can embrace, if you want to live outdoors, if you want access to high quality, you know, mountain biking and trail and the Brad Smith like uh, the whole program that they're doing, like showing that you can have a high tech, you know, plugged in job, but also live in the mountain state and have a high quality of life. Like that might be the opportunity of a generation. When we spoke with Chambers on the podcast, that's what he said. He he said, we probably have a five to 10 year window to kind of to take advantage of that in a way to help the state grow. Um, Because it brings me to, you know, you're so close to college students, right? The youth is the future of any generation, the future of a a community, of a country. What are some of the conversations that maybe you're having with students in and around the world of finance? Are they starting to feel a little bit more empowered that they don't necessarily have to leave West Virginia per se to have a degree, especially out of the finance program, or even just in, in college students in general? Is the conversation shifting a little bit? maybe because of COVID and that realization that, wait a second, like I can hang here and and I have all the tools in place to maybe build the next company that I want to build. Yeah, Cooper, I think our students that we see at WVU, and by the way, we actually um, at Vantage are actually seeing students from other uh, institutions in West Virginia coming to us with great Yeah, so it's become a magnet across the state for anyone who wants to build within the context that CJ and I were talking about how we define ourselves. But I think, Cooper, if we just look at the macro trends that were happening before COVID and likely are going to persist post COVID, Mm -hmm. um, that we're seeing the largest transfer of wealth, you see it, ever in the in the lifetime of history. Um, And that wealth is being transferred into investment vehicles and into a cycle where the people who have it want to get a reasonable, you know, above market rate of return or at market, but they also want to invest with their with their values. Remember, we're seeing this movement towards let's affect great, let's just really solve problems with this, with the way that we deploy our capital. That is also a storyline for college students everywhere, and particularly in West Virginia. So what we're seeing is exactly what you just said. We're seeing students come to us with problem sets, um, whether it's, you know, new forms of power storage, where, you know, we, you've, a good example, I'll use a real life example. We have an entrepreneur named Augie Chico in our space. He's, you all perhaps have seen him. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking about him because he's homegrown, fourth generation entrepreneur, and his and is an, was an engineering student at WVU, developed a process to take used electric vehicle car batteries that otherwise would be disposed of in landfills and repurpose and certify them into stores of power for 
either, you know, small retail or wow. home ownership. Yeah. And so when you have solar, for instance, on your roof, CJ, you know, the sun doesn't shine at night. You have to store that power so it regenerates at night. He he developed that solution. His first client was MVB Bank. They're running across <laughs> the state, putting solar on their on their banks. He's the power storage. He's keeping all of that junk out of the landfills. And he was just recognized by NASDAQ, the exchange for the tech companies. He was a milestone maker, one of 12 across the world, not just just nationally, but around the world to enter into this cohort on next generation power and energy storage. And, you know, so that's that's a guy who's who obviously was very technically astute from his engineering school, but also saw an emerging problem that made renewable energy relatively unaffordable. Otherwise, you're spending, you know, thousands of dollars on those power storage and and repurposed them. That's that's a West Virginia story. Yeah, absolutely. And so. Right. So, yes. So, Cooper, I think what you're what you're saying is quite true. The students are coming to us with the desire to hit and solve uniquely and with novel novelty, solve very compelling problems that are that are impactful to society, but have a very large return. And obviously, it's a two sided marketplace. Somebody gets them to take that old battery off his hands and somebody pays them to install it. That's incredible. You know, you have an amazing entrepreneurial community when that level of maturity is showing up in your in your early youth. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's simply incredible. We need to have them on the podcast or certainly do do a blog feature on that. It's incredible. Cooper, you know, they say variety is the spice of life and raise rub. It only makes sense has 21 mouthwatering herbs and spices Talk about variety. 21, man, that's uh, you, you can't beat that. And when it comes to seasoning your meats and veggies, Raised Rub is certainly the way to go. Absolutely. And guys, it can be applied to anything. If you go to RaiseRub.com or shop on Amazon, you can get a bottle of Raised Rub. We had the founder, Brody Prudnick, on the podcast. It's an awesome story. His father, his late father, started this business and Brody is carrying it on. Raised Rub can be applied to anything, right? Beef, chicken, wild game, casserole, stew, the list goes on and on. It's your call. They promise that once you try it, it's going to be the only seasoning that you want to buy. RaiseRub.com. CJ, when I needed an engagement ring, I knew it was important to me that I shop at a West Virginia business. So I checked out Calvin Broyles in Charleston and they blew me away. They are West Virginia's only third generation family owned and operated jewelry business. And they continue to honor their traditions of security, confidence and guidance when helping folks pick out jewelry gifts in the great state of West Virginia. Yeah, and you don't have to be just in Charleston to find them. They do have their location in the capital city, but they're also in Taze Valley and Beckley. You can also find them at calvinbroils.com. That's calvinbroils.com. Sarah, I want to ask you a question um, that it's a, it's a problem, a challenge that I often think about and ponder relating to venture capital, investing, entrepreneurship, like that, that stuff is core to who I am. And the, even us here on the podcast, this venture, Mountaineer Media is an entrepreneurship startup. But the dilemma, and I've always wanted to kind of have a conversation with someone like yourself that has been in that world. And I don't know if we're going to find the answer to it or if we're going to solve it here, but I at least want to hear your thoughts on it, is that it's, it's quite difficult, at least if, if you're someone who has $10,000, $100,000 to be able to structurally invest in small startup companies at a reasonable manner, in, in a scalable manner, in a trackable manner, in a legal and official manner, it's more easy to invest in public companies. I can download an app and I can invest in a, a massive you know, Fortune 500 company right off Fidelity on my phone. I can buy cryptocurrency now right off my phone. Do you see the maybe even in part from the crypto world, the world of crowdfunding and easy you know, payment transfer, will it become increasingly 
easier and accessible to invest. If you, if you just told us that story, I'm thinking, I want to invest in this guy. This guy seems unbelievable. This could be a billion dollar enterprise. Do you foresee a world where it becomes easier for folks that are not institutional investors or not accredited investors, right? But that want to support their local community and have, you know, maybe some capital that they want to deploy. What are the current barriers the way you see them from, from the inside, being inside of a world with startup? And do you see it are you optimistic about like that kind of that thought process over the next three to five years? Yeah, Cooper, I'm extraordinarily excited about it. I mean, we have analogs all over the country that are um, that are uh, very mature and in plant and in place that are allowing non-accredited investors to make small um, investments in a way that's it's efficient, it's compliant. You know, you see where your ownership stake is. So you don't lose. It's not a philanthropic donation. Mm -hmm. So on one side, West Virginia does have a really great angel network. So mm -hmm. if you're accredited, the guys down at Country Roads are doing some cool stuff. Um, there's other, you know, funds that have, have come up around um, West Virginia. But conversely, last year, the legislature passed a crowdfunding act. Okay. And for those who don't know that crowdfunding um, came about, uh, it's now almost a decade old, but the Jobs Act allowed non-accredited investors to participate on these crowdfunding uh, sites like a WeFunder, like a King's Capital, an open transparency. I, I'm an investor and sit on the board of Rialto Markets, which is a crowdfunding um, site because mm -hmm. I'm so bullish on the motivation of what you just said, Cooper, of the ability for individuals who, who can take place in an asset class that is, is you know, quite risky, but the, but the right. returns mirror the risk. And so we're working with the legislation that was passed in West Virginia um, that right now has some limitations and we haven't been able to launch the, the entrepreneur who is leading it has not been able to launch his crowdfunding space because right now the legislation, and it's just an opinion, but the legislation only allows West Virginians within the borders of West Virginia to be to participate in these the crowdfunding site. Mm, gotcha. That's not going to be helpful to our entrepreneurs because Cooper, you're sitting in DC, our, our West Virginians, I happen to be in my home in Boston this morning. I I would want to invest like you through a vehicle like that in an Aki Chico. There's right, no, right. West Virginians everywhere are keen to be back and part of this rising, expanded economy we're building. So we're working diligently to help with that legislation, to make it a sustainable and operating crowdfunding site that really targets are our investable opportunities in West Virginia, which, by the way, are just as strong as ones that we see in categorically in other parts of the country. Yeah. So, and we're, we have no shortage of opportunity, but I think we need to get it right when we go after that crowdfunding um, spot. But yes, but Cooper, it exists. I mean, you can. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You as an un, you know as an unaccredited investor. And with open knowledge, right? We mm -hmm. should not give anyone any guidance or advice. Sure. Right, but but that but the ability to put funds against these ideas um, does exist in so, a way. Yeah. CJ, I'll just follow one, one more follow up. CJ, I'll, I'll t t uh, kick it to you. Um, I, I think West Virginia is the, the reason I asked that, and I was unaware of some of those details, so thank you for filling me in on them, is that I think West Virginia is the perfect place for that because because of what we just talked about, that deep-rooted sense of community and relationships and, and people-oriented folks. Because if I if I saw a, a young student or a young person in my community or an older person building something new in the community, and I'm, you know, I say, hey, I'd like to be a part of that. Like, that that's, doing, that's going right back into the economy. That's fixing this problem specifically in Thomas, West Virginia. Virginia or Davis, West Virginia, like I would like to be a part of that. So I think West Virginia kind of is the perfect place because we have that sense of culture and people that you would know that those dollars from West Virginians are going right back into their community to help their fellow neighbor build some type of company that solves a problem. So I'm glad to hear you're bullish on it and that there are, there is at least the, the starting blocks for this to become you know fully, fully accessible. So I'm excited to kind of watch that play out. Yeah. And Cooper, if I could add something before CJ, you pop in is that West Virginia is a is a great place to invest in entrepreneurship because of the capital efficiency question. A dollar in an in a business in West Virginia goes a lot far, farther than it does in Chicago or New York or Silicon Valley. It's, it goes without saying, but it's a critically important moment as we're in this period of volatility, 
right? And uncertainty in the marketplace. You also want to make sure that there's an investment cycle for the long term. And that's really what we're also trying to do is we we spend a lot of time making sure our entrepreneurs, because they're raising capital both in and out of the state, are well prepared to talk about that use of funds and why an investment in actually de-risks the company even further than if it was in a different place. And it's a bit counterintuitive when you're like, there's a tech, an investable tech sector of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Like, right? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of reasons that we want to make sure that it's clear. So Cooper, we'll keep you posted and, yeah. and would ask probably to consult with you because you'll have the you'll have the read on on sort of what where the client base is going and the thoughts. But thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to have like a good lead up question after <laughs> that. Now everybody kept saying like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." I was like, "Wait, am I supposed to no, be prepared here?" I was really just spitballing and enjoying the watching you guys, to, you know, debate here. No, I, I, I think the the one thing that we had mentioned earlier in the podcast here that we're maybe we can turn into now is we've talked about one of the startups that you've, you've spoken to in the energy sector, what are the other sectors, the industries, and maybe some specific companies that you guys are kind of bringing in and some of the, the work that they're doing, maybe you can give us some details about some of the other ones that you're very excited about. Yeah, CJ, thank you. That's such a great question. So, well, good. I'm glad that the follow-up I- worked, man. That, that <laughs> Good job. All right. Good to know. <laughs> slam, slam it in. Um, yeah. So we have we have um, what's happened across the past, call it you know, two and a half years, um, has been the natural clustering, as you might expect, of of startups in four primary categories that really reflect the strength of West Virginia, which has been awesome to see. So we just talked about um, a category that we bucket. We call it infrastructure. So Augie Chico would be in that next generation energy or, you know, broadband and infrastructure. We think of advanced surface transportation innovation. So just think about what we did with Virgin Hyperloop, Mm -hmm. right, in that category. Um, West Virginia has a a very solid engineering base to tackle some of those um, very complex operating challenges that take us into the next generation. So infrastructure. The next industry category where we see clustering is around med tech and health tech. And we don't mean, in our case, we, we do try to stay away from regulated industries in, in when we're trying to help a founder. And I can give you 10 reasons why we do that. They're probably all obvious. But so like at Vantage, we, don't, we try not to work with like an, an academic who has small molecule research going on that they want to take through a you know, preclinical and postclinical drug discovery phase. It's too costly, the timelines are too long, and it's heavily regulated. But we will work with entrepreneurs, and including we have a neuroscience professor in um, the med tech field who, has, uh, who is using his capabilities to build a biomimetic um, piece of hardware and software. And the biomimetic is a piece of hardware that sits, if, you, if you've lost your hand, as an example, mm-hmm. it will sit above your hand and it will read from a sensor in your brain when you want to move your hand. Oh my now that right now that I've told you that, you totally get it. Your brain says, I want to move my hand before that muscle activates. This piece of hardware enables that sensor to read it faster. And there's a much more um, natural progression of the process. Yeah. It's an it's an incredible advance, but I'm going to tell you the other place that finds it useful, not just in our need for improving prosthetics and helping individuals who've lost limbs, but just imagine the digital gaming industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh gosh, no, that's. Uh, Don't you yeah. want one one hundredth? I mean, I was on my you know my Oculus, which is now Meta Two, this weekend. Yeah. Dude, I wish I would have had like so you know yeah. Sergey's ability to move faster. But um, so anyway, nonetheless, we have a you know med tech, health tech, very healthy, very advanced um, work they're doing. So that's one example. So infrastructure, med tech. Um, we have a very active category around data and IoT. And so when you think about data and IoT, you immediately begin to think about the application, the gathering of the data, and then the application to norm, you know, 
structure it, normalize it, and analyze it. Mm-hmm. And so a good example of that, there's actually two really prominent examples. One are the iconic air guys. Mm-hmm. We've seen West Virginia's first Forbes 30 under 30, mm-hmm. um, which is a big deal in the startup world mm-hmm. to be able to have that recognition. Um, working with at the intersection of of you know the gathering of climate data and the analysis of it for the defense and natural gas and other industries. Incredible. Uh, They also have raised a very significant round with a lead out of Silicon Valley, and I'll let them um, share that good news when they're ready. But, you know, you've got Iconic Air all the way through to Data Robot, right? Uh, One of the country's top 10 tech unicorns, they were just named by CNBC, um, came into the state with an enterprise artificial intelligence platform to contemplate how to deploy that data um, in a way that closes the divide that we have between the delivery of urban healthcare and rural healthcare. And they've been instrumental and they've got about 30 employees. They actually see West Virginia as a source of the next generation of data science talent. Cooper, for all the reasons you started us with, grit, tenacity, common sense, problem solvers, right? Those are the yeah. hallmarks of, of really great data scientists. So uh, we've in that category, you know, we have really substantial um, innovative companies. And then the last one category where there's clustering, um, enormous clustering is in what we call security. And so security for us is a category that includes companies that are working in cyber. So cybersecurity, companies that are working to close the gap of food insecurity. So we look very actively for advancements in agriculture and ag tech. You know, Which is big in West Virginia because there's there's food deserts, there's challenges getting supply chains of food in West Virginia. So that's a huge issue. Huge issue. And Cooper, and it goes back to the fact that our entrepreneurs want to build scalable companies that are solving impactful problems, but they're still investable, right? Those problems mm-hmm. mean there's a big addressable market. So food insecurity. And then our last one is FinTech. Um, we, we think we have a very big thesis, so much so that we went to the legislature to work on policy change um, around uh, attracting entrepreneurs or working with entrepreneurs who are looking to build pathways for financial security, strengthening our main street banks, you know, credit security. So that that category of security has a lot um, a lot of activity in it. And then I'm super psyched to see the rise of two things. One I alluded to, we have a really nice digital gaming entrepreneur community in West. Fascinating. Virginia. That, right. The university actually is offering now, WVU is offering a degree in management of digital gaming. Yeah. Such a big deal. So we've got we've got three startups there that we're, we're tracking with. We're partnering, for instance, where we see cross industry application of our technologies that are being built for one purpose. Could we put them in adjacent markets? And then the other area is around um, social platforms and looking more at affinity groups. And I don't know if you all saw last night, CNN at 10 p.m. had the Kamal. Did you guys see it, Kamal? Yeah. We just had the we just had the director Morgan Fallon on the podcast uh, with Kamal and Crystal Good, who's the awesome. Black by God. Yeah. Yeah. So Crystal's in our space. Yep. yep. Right. We've got our Black by God um, trying to really build and rebuild the um, the information and insight with the African-American community. And with us, for me, it's a special moment to actually lift up those business owners and those communities. But that's that social media platform that she's building with Black by God um, is is advantage. And so those are CJ's long winded answer to tell you that four major categories, two emerging. We've got some ones that are on the periphery, but it's an exciting time for tech. If you're looking for a job in West Virginia, or if you're a small business that's looking to hire 10, 15, heck, maybe 50 employees, well, then you have to talk to our friends at Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Yeah, Bill Carter is the president and CEO of MES, and they've got two locations, Charleston and Morgantown, but they are looking for people to fill jobs all over the state of West Virginia. So make sure to check them out, beamountaineer.com, Be a mountaineer.com if you're looking to buy sell rent flip or finance real estate projects in southern west virginia you got to talk to our friends jordan christ and jacob skinner at building appalachia 
buildingappalachia.com is the website. We had Jordan and Jacob both on the podcast. Great dudes. They want to make West Virginia beautiful. That is their entire MO. They are going through beautification projects in Kanawha, Putnam, and Cabell County. So if you're looking to live in one of those places, they can hook you up, man. So make sure to go check them out at buildingappalachia.com. Tell them Mountaineer Media sent you. When I mean, you ahead, look at, time. like, obviously, John Chambers is one of the founders of this. Is he considered a founder of this, of Vantage Valley as well? For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know what his exact role would be, but he's a big picture guy, and he wouldn't have tried to start this. I'm sure you as well. What is the big picture with Vantage Valley? Uh, I know that you've kind of gotten into bringing companies or, or housing companies within your your arms and, and under the umbrella and making sure West Virginia is at the center of that. But what what is the, the big dream? Where, where's Vantage Valley going? Ventures. Yeah. Ventures Valley, excuse me. Yeah. So if you think about, I'm, I'm such a, you can probably tell from my conversation with Cooper, CJ, I'm a finance person. I've been one <laughs> for a long time. And so I think in terms of X, Y axes, you know, and so yeah. you just can lay out with me, you know, primary x-axis, y-axis, and your secondary x-axis, right, that second scale, what do we want to achieve? Well, the first thing is, is you, and if that y-axis is companies as they go through their growth, they're, you know, that we're taking them into the market, they're acquiring companies, they're raising growth capital, they're, you know, getting larger and attracting more companies. Um, and eventually, we'd like to see a liquidity event. How cool would it to be have an IPO out of a West Virginia company or mm-hmm. some other Absolutely. map? Absolutely. Okay, so so you get the vision, right? We want to grow, we want to scale, but on that secondary x-axis, what happens while we're we're heads down in the weeds trying to make these things happen? The first thing that begins to happen, and we already see it, we're on track to have about 140 full-time employees and 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 or interns hired through our startups this year, right? So what you're creating is particularly this experiential learning opportunity and this pathway for West Virginia's brightest to see themselves in these next generation jobs. Absolutely. And not everybody's going to be a founder, but you could work in a startup or you may want to be a founder of a company. But our first like sort of modest effort is to is to make sure that that exposure happens this year um, in the fall. Every incoming business school freshman has to have an entrepreneurial course. They have to know about it. They're, it's in, it's embedded in the curriculum. Josh Hall has really led that visionary moment, and they're all going to run. We're going to run them through Vantage. They're actually mm-hmm. going to see why this sort of Hands on, yeah. yeah. So you've got the experiential learning. You get the bug. You believe that you can be part of this economy. You can work at home, right? You don't have to take off for DC, sorry, Cooper, wherever you end up going to be part of the startup community. But as that scale grows, and we've actually seen this happen more quickly than the experiential learning, as we want these companies to hire people. Yeah. The yeah, starting right. salary at Data Robot is $74,000. Double, probably double the average West Virginia salary. Well, it was just reported the starting salary at, in West Virginia for a college for a college grad. Then it was all over the news this weekend. It's twenty five thousand. Yeah, so triple, triple, so triple, yeah. triple, and it's. I mean, those you know, and you we want to encourage that lifting up Absolutely. of the of the right, not to create inflationary pressures, but to you know enable. Um, the economy to expand. So that's so. If you think about what do you want advantage, you you want us to have an opportunity set. No other kid ought to pack up and have to leave West Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if we if we do this right, and then the other thing is is that they don't have to because the growth we've created the growth trajectory for these fast growing companies with enough strength that they can hire. So yeah. that's I think that's what the end the end result becomes and. Um, not everything's going to work. John is very also very, you know, very good at saying this. I say it with a, you know, with a bug in my throat, but he will say, <laughs> we're going to fail. It's okay to fail some, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. work, but well, we have to, yeah. Well, Sarah, that last few things, I was just listening. Um, great, great points. A few things. So one is that 
when I, you know, I like, I like studying history. I come from, you know, great grandparents were coal miners in West Virginia, classic story came over from Europe. My grandma was born in a coal camp, right? She had to use script, which is not even real money. The coal miners would pay you in that. You would have to use it, motivated me to become a financial advisor, empower people to use financial literacy. But I also think in terms of historical pretext of we with with West Virginia growing, evolving, and, and changing, there is naturally met with a little bit of resistance, hesitancy, and f- maybe some fearfulness straight out from folks in the state of what is this new thing coming in? That's kind of generally always sometimes the vibe because of extractionary kind of economies like coal mining potentially that have kind of shaped a culture. So I think of it through the lens of when if you're someone who's innovating, changing, growing, your communication arm of what you're doing is equally important, if not right beside what your core objective is, simply to educate, inspire, engage with, create a two-way street from the people that you're doing business in. So I think some like some people see, you know, could possibly see a tech investor disruptor, they see that, oh, well, that's that's a radical change. That's different. That's changing what I always have. So I always think that, wait a second, that's okay. Innovation is fine. We need it to evolve. West Virginia needs to, to have a new figure, a new industry. We need disruption and innovation. But we also have to be conscious of, and I'm glad you pointed it out, that we want to pull everybody along for the ride in that disruption and innovation. If we develop West Virginia into the East Coast, Colorado, we don't want to skirt all like West Virginians out of it and only have a handful of a hundred companies and eight individuals that make the money from it. And then it becomes a Disney world version of West Virginia. We want local communities to empower themselves to develop the state and showcase the state. So I always think of it through the lens of if you're doing this type kind of work, which you are phenomenal work as well, that storytelling communications, while we found them out in your media, that, that's why we try to tell stories about, you know, have on authentic conversations. That's equally important. So people are embracing it. They're not feel for, they're not fearful of it. And they also want to be a part of it and they want to engage with it and they want to hear about it and they want to embrace it in their community. So I say all that to say that I'm glad two things that the students are catching on to it. One of the primary goals is that you guys are hiring. One of the primary goals is that you're hiring West Virginians with high quality salaries. And then lastly, the last sector of where you all are growing is, is a digital media company. So that's, that's our soft pitch for you, for us. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say something though? I want to, I want to really point that out because if we didn't really talk about, we have this, we have a very pithy, like every startup, you have to have an elevator pitch and you got my long winded Monday morning pitch. But, the, but our short pitch is, is that what we're doing at Manage is for every West Virginian. It's yeah. not just for those in the high tech or the next generation. And one example, Cooper, that we, we worked very diligently to bring, and we're working with them on a, on a significant fundraise and partnership, is a company called Sparks. And Sparks is a, is a lithium ion non-cobalt electric vehicle battery manufacturer. Holy cow. It's holy cow, right? It's and it and it has two. It has two parts to the innovation. One is that it has developed a, a battery with um, Oak Ridge, tech, uh, you know, Oak Ridge down at the National Lab in Tennessee. Um, it developed a battery that doesn't use cobalt, which is one of the greatest scourges right now in the world. It's for EV, sure, yeah. For EV, right? We know it's a human rights issue. Um, it's predominantly found in the Congo. And so you have a lot of challenges and the supply chain is unstable. So their second part of innovation is re-engineering the supply chain to have a fully intact North American supply chain. Very innovative, very next gen, very, you know, potential to be very large. The CEO felt so strongly about the idea of engaging West Virginians in this next generation of the expanded energy economy that he partnered with the United Mine Workers. So wow. I just talked to him Friday night. They're on track right now with the, with the UMWA. First 30 employees are coming out of that union force. How cool is that? Yeah, How that's cool awesome. That? So, so we can never, for, I mean, I'm from, geez, I'm Pocahontas County, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's no more West Virginia than that. Like our dinner table was surrounded by extraordinarily smart people from the Green Bank Observatory as much as as a farmer who cut hay that day. Mm -hmm. West Virginians are so amazing and so unique and so, if you will, just able to bridge those gaps. And again, we'll finish our conversation like we started it. 
and we're problem solvers and care about each other. And so that to me is what critically is, if nothing else, about the story. We're going to tell Mountain Media story, by the way, advantage. We'll share the news. But the storyline here is that we actually can create that mobility and that financial security that lifts everybody up. And, and frankly, we have to. The world is is it too rocked right now not mm-hmm. to figure out how to make sure that your neighbor feels as comfortable as you do in their future. And so I do think, I think, I think there's no better place to figure that out than West Virginia. Yeah. Um, and that's our goal. I love well, it. Whether it was the, uh, the long winded pitch or the short elevator pitch, we're sold. You've got us yeah. in your favor and we absolutely love what you guys are doing. And Van, Van, Venture Valley. Now you've got me all mixed up. Vantage Ventures. Yeah. I know. I've got, you You're just so emotional, CJ. Well, it is. It, right? I guess that's me. But yeah. I can see where you guys are going. I see the vision. I think we can all share that sentiment. So, Sarah, thank you for jumping on with us. Really enjoyed our conversation. Best of luck to you. Absolutely love that you guys are kind of the gatekeeper here and turning uh, some ideas into realities and small businesses into mega businesses here in West Virginia. So, thank you for jumping on best of luck and hopefully we can stay in touch cj thank you and thank you cooper it's again it's a team so we appreciate you